today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, Lucky Town, the album. Hey everybody and welcome to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. It's the only podcast on the internet where we talk about every Bruce Springsteen song in alphabetical order, or at least we used to, but this is season two. Season We're talking two. out. Woo! We're talking Lucky Town today. I'm joined by Rob Carmack. Uh, as always, Rob, how are you doing? Hey, I'm feeling feeling good. I was going to say feeling lucky, but that felt dumb. So I'm just, yeah. I'm feeling fine. <laughs> and I'm not feeling lucky. <laughs> I'm feeling, no, I'm neither feeling lucky nor fine. We were just off air talking about like depression and panic attacks. So uh, I, didn't, I didn't tell you this, this is hilarious. Uh, my wife and I both had therapy appointments last week. And normally our therapists are like, yeah, just call me whenever. You're good. And yeah. like the last two times we've had therapy, they've both been like, all right, so I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> your therapist is drawing some very strong boundaries during. Yeah, because we are going through it <laughs> there. You might say that we have seen better days. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. Um, yeah, these aren't better days. These aren't better days. No. Yeah, you would argue anybody who was born before February has seen better days. Yeah. Woo-wee. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive and to hopefully continue being alive. So uh, hope everybody out there is doing they say all right. They had a crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for real. Um, yeah, don't forget to wear a mask when you go out in public. Can we just make like me- give, start giving out medical advice while we're here? Because... I feel like people aren't paying attention to that enough. Yeah, maybe, man. I mean, you and I, I live know. in Texas like, and Mississippi. People are like, we beat this virus with faith and guns. Like, no, nope, yeah. you can't. You can't shoot a virus. You <laughs> cannot shoot a virus. Thank you for trying. And a Yosemite couple of Sam. pastors have died that tried to pray it away. So, yeah. um, not died, gotten sick. Uh, so, yeah, um, this is where we're at. Yeah. Anyway, so we decided we'd go back to the 1990s to better days, as it were. Uh, and uh, and enjoy some some Bruce Springsteen music. So uh, we've been talking about, like JB mentioned, we've been talking every album one by one. We're going in chronological order. On our last episode, or our last regular episode uh, two weeks ago, we talked about Lucky Town, the album. And as it turns out, JB, Bruce Springsteen released two albums the day that Lucky Town was born, or the Human Touch. Did I say Lucky Town? Uh, yeah. Last time we talked about Human Touch. Turns out he dropped another album on the same day as Human Touch. And on that the same album, day was Lucky Town, which released also on March 31st, 1992 on Columbia Records. You know, and, and uh, you know, I'm on the record saying uh, this record is, you know, it's a great record. I'm on the record saying, you know, eh. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to make a bold statement right here, and we're going to have to talk about this as we go. I think this is Bruce Springsteen's best album from the 1990s. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to defend that position as we go, but I'm going to go. I'm putting it out there now. I, as I was listening to it today, I just picked it up on vinyl because back in February, just before the world ended, Bruce released all of his 90s material on vinyl. And so I just went over to Barnes & Noble and uh, did a little curbside pickup and uh, they dropped Lucky Town in the back of my car. And nice. uh, man, it's it's a, it's great. I really, really love this album. And, and we'll, we'll talk more about that. We'll, we'll talk more about why. So th- this this album is, it was a twin album to Human Touch. And in every way other than the official way, this this. Was it's like the second disc in a in a double album with Human Touch. It was for some reason Bruce decided to release them separately on the same day, kind of cannibalizing the sales of each one. Undoubtedly, if he'd only released one of these albums, whichever one he released would have hit number one. But since he since he released both of them on the same day, Human Touch peaked at number two on the Billboard albums or on the Billboard charts, and Lucky Town peaked at number three. So this album undersold Human Touch, which I think is a tragedy. 
Um, yeah. Even though, you know, a pirate's treasure don't make much for tragedy. We'll call it a tragedy. So, um, so yeah, it peaked at number three on the Billboard Billboard charts. Uh, it, it, it is certified platinum, which means it has sold over 1 million copies in the U.S. I think it actually registers just right at a million copies on the chart, so it barely clears platinum. And which is, um, and you would think, like, well, that must be Bruce's lowest selling album to date, but it's not. Like, Ghost of Tom Joad, I think it is. So we'll talk about that again uh, next time. But uh, so, so yeah, this album, it did fine, but, I mean, it, it nowhere near reached the, the juggernaut peak of Born in the USA. And, no, and nothing ever would. We'll continue to. It's unfortunate that now we have to compare every Bruce, every Bruce Springsteen album sale against Born in the USA because Born in the USA is one of the highest selling albums of all time. So that's a bummer. That's a bummer for Bruce's future work. But uh, th- this one. And it, to- it's, it seems so far. It was less than a decade before, you know. But it seems so far removed. That's true. It's eight years earlier. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. It, it feels it feels like another lifetime. Um, you know, it's like it's like now, in, in rather than January. It's like a totally different band almost. Almost. <laughs> well, and this uh, album does have a totally different band because yeah, Bruce plays totally almost everything on this. Like the only um, we'll get. Well, I guess we can do, do personnel right now. Uh, Bruce recorded this album really, really fast. And as as a result, he didn't really have time to assemble like his, you know, murderer's row of musicians. And he didn't necessarily want to call the E Street Band. And so he pretty much recorded almost every song himself from top to bottom. And with the, with the one exception was he, he did on the demos, he, he did all the drum machine parts himself. But then he brought in Gary Malibur, who was kind of a studio pro from way back. Uh, to come in and, and fill out the drum parts. Gary Malibur was never associated directly with a band, which is funny because like he just finished Human Touch, where he had Jeff Percaro from Toto playing all the, the drum parts. But here he brings in Gary Malibur, who probably is best known for being a studio player for like Van Morrison and Steve Miller band. So he brings in Gary Malibur, and almost all of the rest of the instrumentation here is Bruce himself, with with Roy Bitten showing up a couple of times. Randy Jackson shows up once. Uh, there's like one or two more guys that just sort of like pop in for a, like a one day session, and he he records this album within like two or three weeks, and he pretty much just it, um, actually I'll go ahead and say like uh, Bruce told the L.A. Times that by the time he finished work on Human Touch, the album, which took him almost two years to finish. Because he starts working on Human Touch in 1990, and it doesn't come out until 1992. So Bruce spends two years putting together Human Touch. And after all of that, he tells the LA Times, um, he says, by the time I got done, he says, I was at a different place in my life. I was a father and having this uplifting and happy relationship. I was revitalized, and I didn't feel like it was reflected in the Human Touch album. So by the time Human Touch comes out, Bruce feels like he's a whole different guy. He doesn't feel like it reflects his stage of life anymore. So he decides, like... I'm just going to go on a tear and I'm going to start writing songs as fast as I can and just producing them in my home studio. So he, the earliest session, the first week of this or the first couple of days of this were recorded at A&M studio, which was where all human touch had also been recorded. But Bruce calls a halt to that because he feels like human touch was way too like shimmery and polished. And so he like scraps all those sessions and he asks his recording engineer, Toby Scott to go to his house on his home property in Beverly Hills and set up a new studio, which becomes thrill Hill West. And and this begins a massive creative output in a relatively short period of time. It took somewhere between two and three weeks for Bruce to write and record most of the songs for this album. Toby Scott says Bruce was nearly working 24 hours a day during that time, which is like breaks for like, like cat naps and meals. <laughs> and so like the idea that this album was like just thrown together as fast as possible, like he was bringing in um, like backup singers and drummers before like certain songs were finished being written 
like so fast. Just cranking them out, man. I mean, unbelievable, like how fast he's writing these these songs. So that's why this song, this album feels a lot more like rock and roll. It feels a lot more raw and stripped down. It's because Bruce very intentionally was like, I don't want it to sound shimmery and glossy like Human Touch did. And what's interesting is he decided to go ahead and put out Human Touch, which I do wonder, like, today, would he look back and say, like, maybe I just should have put out Lucky Town or I just should have put out one or the other. Because he doesn't feel Human Touch is an, like, a, a truly genuine, like, reflection of who he is right now at this moment. And so, like, Lucky Town is who Bruce is, and Human Touch is, like, who Bruce was two years earlier, you know? And he decides to put them both out. Yeah, I think that's why it's... I think that's why it's... uh better you know better days yeah. yeah so you want to get into the songs uh well i mean first of all what what are your initial thoughts i, I i'm gonna go ahead and say like i said i said before like i think this is my favorite 90s springsteen album i would argue on on the out on the vinyl record it's five songs on one side five on the other i would argue that side one is a great album and side two is a very good album i think the first five songs on this album are like almost unimpeachably great so um, yeah, side, side I think two that, is fine. I don't, I don't think there's a lot of weak points at all. I think the side two starts off slow. Um, no, I think that side one ends a little weak. I guess with leap but of you faith. Like the, you like leap of faith. I do like leap of faith. It, it wins me over. I realize it lyrically, it's not his strongest work, but I, um, I, I think it's a fun song. I like, I like the the pace and the the. I mean, it's a. I think it's fun. So I, it, it gets it gets off the hook a little bit for being a little corny because it it is fun. Yeah. Um, uh, man, I think it's a fun record. Like it's rock and roll, you know, in a way that we kind of had been waiting for him to do since uh, Born in the USA. For sure. Um, well, there's and- great guitar stuff. There's the production is back to that just like Bruce Springsteen rock and roll sound. Uh, he, you know, dispenses with all the shimmer and the synth. Um, so yeah, I really love it. The drums are a little just real 1992 you know mm-hmm. which is kind of the problem with the 90s and bruce for me it's just like it's hard to it's hard to listen to it not in the 90s you know like yeah i, I agree with you though i think this is his best record in the 90s you like it better than ghost of tom joad yeah absolutely mm. i i'm not crazy about ghost of tom joad i think it's like important as far as you know protest songs go and stuff but i don't like put it on you know yeah and uh but i that said i kind of just skip the 90s when i <laughs> listen to bruce well, it is it is his wilderness period, which we talked about a little bit last week. It it is it yeah. is the part of his body of work that gets the least amount of attention and definitely the least amount of praise. Now, th- this album, unlike which is funny because like it took him two and a half three weeks to put this album together. This album has a pretty definitive narrative arc, which Human Touch was kind of lacking. We talked about that last time, which was Human Touch. It seems to have a point of view, but it also kind of seems to be all over the place. It doesn't seem to be tracked all that intentionally. It seems to be a little bit overstuffed. Um, it, it doesn't. It, it, it just sort of meanders. And this album, I feel like, really has a point of view, and it really is moving somewhere. I think the the point of this album is the discovery of new life and joy after a long time in the wilderness. I think Bruce, at the, at the time he was writing this, I think Bruce saw himself as being able to write happy songs and being coming out of the wilderness with something to say about happiness. And so, like, this is really the only album Bruce ever made, I would argue, that is genuinely about joy, you know? And that that alone makes it interesting. Oh, for sure. You know. Yeah. It's like, so it's like Lori said in her, uh, in her last team email to us about, uh, about the, this band, the, the, uh, nineties band. And she talks more about human touch than lucky town, but it's, it's this idea that Bruce for the first time is like, uh, talking about how maybe being happy can be just as inspiring yeah. <laughs> as being sad <laughs> was what she said in the email. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, yes. <laughs> 
Which is so interesting because like the next album he makes is Ghost of Tom Joad, which arguably is his saddest album. Oh, know? for sure. Sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, like this is this is happy Bruce Springsteen. This is this is kind of where like the the jovial like like I don't mind writing happy songs again guy kind of shows shows back up because really I don't think we'd seen that guy since um Wild the Innocent in the E Street Shuffle with like Rosalita in the E Street Shuffle. You know, like the guy who just sort of he, he wants to sing about people having joy in their lives. Like that's it's been yeah. a while since he said anything about that. Mm-hmm. You know. Um all right, well yeah, man, let's get into the the track by track. All right. So track one, side one, Better Days. Better Days. I was thinking Jesse uh, Jackson when I hear this song, because this is, Jesse has often said that this is one of his favorite Bruce Springsteen songs. Yeah, it's a very Jesse song, too. Yeah. That, like, it doesn't surprise me that's one of his favorites, you know? Well, Je- Jesse, so, um, I think, is, or at least he presents himself, I think. Um, I, I have no reason to, I don't know why I said that. Jesse seems like a really genuine guy. Every encounter I've ever had with Jesse, he's been very joyful, very upbeat, very, like, glass half full kind of guy. And so, like, yeah, th- this this album feels very true to, like, his point of view on the world, which I'm grateful. We need more people like Jesse Jackson. Uh, yeah, I, I would go so far as to say that Jesse is a very, is a very genuine, authentic person. You can go so far um, as to say Jesse's a minch. A minch. He's a minch. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a great this is a great way to start the record, you it's know. Awesome track one. Yeah. Um, well, and I mean it's it's a I, you know, I, I probably was too tough on it in our ratings. Um What did you give it? But I I don't know. I gave it three, I think. Oh. I'm gonna double check. I think I gave it right four. now. Yeah, I think you did. Um yeah, you did. And I gave it a th- no, you gave it three and a half, and I gave it three. And uh yeah, it's it's, I think it's, the drums are so specific, um, but I think the guitar tones are so big and fun. Um, and he's just, it seems like he's having a better day, you know? It does. I, it's believable. I, so, I like that. I would argue, I was thinking a lot about this uh, yesterday while I was listening to this album. Um, I would argue that this album is the anti-Tunnel of Love. That everything that Tunnel of Love is trying to say, this album is responding to it. Which is funny, because, like, Tunnel of Love is about, like, his marriage to Julianne Phillips. This album is about his marriage to Patti Scalfa. And so, like, there's there's this really interesting sort of, like, one-to-one way of looking at at this. And, like, Tunnel of Love, we talked about, like, opens with Ain't Got You. Which is, like, him listing off all of, like, all the stuff he's got. These are a few of my favorite things. The song that Little Steven Van Zandt hates the most. And and this song, and we, we talked about this years ago when we talked about this song on the, when we were doing the song by song. Which is he says the the part about um, a life of leisure and a pirate's treasure don't make much for tragedy. Yeah, so I was about like, to bring that up. Yeah, like like five years later, he's responding to the tr- track one side one of one of his previous albums where he he like feel sorry for me even though I have all this stuff and now he's like nah that's okay actually I I did find joy and it turns out it was a a woman I could call my friend you know yeah that line like I feel like coming home is is, is such a departure from everything he's ever written. When he feels like running away from home, um, so well, it's got that church choir kind of sound to it. This is, by the yeah, way, yeah, great guitar licks right there too. Honestly, like if, if this song was just that, just that verse, it would be like one of my maybe one of my all-time favorite songs. <laughs> yeah, I, I really that. really love that verse. Um, this song, okay, first of all, this is I think the only song where Bruce is not playing bass. This is Randy Jackson is playing bass on this song, so it, yes. Uh, it's it's a good strong start. Like you definitely want to have Randy Jackson playing the bass on your opening track if you can help it. Yeah, uh, and then you also have uh, some backup singers, including Susie Tyrell, making her very first appearance on a Bruce Springsteen album. 
And now she's a full-on, very important member of the band. She's an E Street band member. She she tours with them when they back back. I don't know if you guys can remember back when there were like bands going on tour. Uh, yeah, she she. Everyone would get into an arena and sneeze and stuff and cough, and it was cool. Oh man, I used to stand behind people and line for drinks and just like they yeah. cough and they talk and they pat me on the shoulder and say excuse me and I wouldn't think of anything of it. No big deal. No big deal. So um, anyway, but yeah, so Susie Tyrell beginning here as a, she she came she was brought in by Patty. Patty brought uh, Susie and another friend of hers whose name has escaped me, um, but. There, there are two other so there's Patty, there's Susie, and there's one other person here singing the background vocals, and this is the um like yeah enter Susie Tyrell into the E Street Band universe or the Bruce Springsteen universe. The E Street Band is not part of this other than Roy Bitten, who does play on a couple of songs. Um, so uh, Springsteen he told uh, journalists that Human Touch, like going back to sort of the Human Touch sort of analog on this, um, he says this is a quote. He says, "I didn't hear the Hallelujah, the Raise Your Hands to the Sky." of someone who felt as thankful and blessed as I did. And so that's what this song is supposed to do. And it, and, and it really works. So this song is supposed to be the hallelujah the human touch did not provide. Because Bruce is saying, like, at this stage in life, I actually felt pretty joyful. I felt pretty complete. His firstborn son, Evan, had been born not that long ago. Uh, I think either they were just expecting or had just given birth to uh, Jessica, their secondborn. And so Bruce is feeling very full and very grateful. And so this album is supposed to be, like he says, it's supposed to be the hallelujah. And like that's, that's yeah. what the song is supposed to... We enter into this album with the hallelujah. Yeah, it's great. It is. It's a great song. Great. So, cut, cut one. Yeah, for sure. So track two is the title track, which is Lucky Town. Uh, yeah, sorry. Track two is Lucky Town. <laughs> yeah. I like... Do you not like Lucky Town? No, I do. I just I, I spaced out really hard for a second. Uh, sorry, because <laughs> you sounded like, oh yeah, Lucky Town. Um, no, I like Lucky Town a lot. I was gonna say uh, it's it, one it of my favorite songs on the record. It, it kind of harkens sure. back to like the folk rock sensibilities of the River Sessions. I think like this is it's got yeah. a lot of that like Ramrod, um, Cadillac Ranch kind of swing to it. You know. Yeah, well, like, or and dry. this is the kind of music that like I write and play right here. You well, know? there you go. I like it. Uh, it's fun. It is fun. It is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, this is track two. Uh, it's the follow up to Better Days. And it's again, he's he's down in Lucky Town. He's feeling like even even when things have been a struggle, like he's he's not down. He's not out. He's not he's not done. Um, he, he's not done trying. So, I mean, so far, this is a really joyful album that that we're getting. Um, yeah. This is this is a song I need to listen to a lot right now. <laughs> Same, yeah. I mean, I mean, shoot, could we not all use a little bit of side one of Lucky Town right yeah, now? Yeah, lose these blues I've found down in Lucky Town. Yeah, and then uh, then we go to track three, which is probably my favorite album. This is a controversial statement. This is my favorite song on the album, L- "Local Hero." Yeah, yeah. Uh, you talk about this one a lot. Um, I love it, and especially when we talk about the nineties. Uh, yeah, it's a fun song. Um, yeah, I, I love the just the local hero. It is this song is an exploration, an autobi- it is an autobiographical exploration of Bruce's relationship with New Jersey, which is interesting since he's just left New Jersey. And this is and and we talked a lot about this, you know, however long ago when we talked about the song, but when Bruce left New Jersey and left the E Street band behind and moved to Los Angeles, there were lots of people who had been following him since the beginning who felt deeply resentful of that. And they felt like yeah. they 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 felt like they were entitled to Bruce's presence in New Jersey, and they felt like they were entitled to his connection. And I mean, I understand that. But like Bruce cultivated that for almost twenty years, you know. And so then to like right. he he was the guy from Jersey, and so now all of a sudden he moves to the West Coast. He breaks up the Street Band. He buys a house in Beverly Hills. Um, he's got you know 
piles of caviar or whatever it is that he says he's got. And um, and so there's lots of people who are like, you know, you sold out, man. You, you, piles of caviar. <laughs> yeah, isn't that what he says? I ain't got you. I've got like five piles of caviar or whatever. Yeah. Um, I just love the idea of like walking into his house and there's just like just heaps of caviar. Like somebody has snow shoveled caviar into the driveway. Yeah. He just knows that rich people are supposed to have it. (laughs) I don't like it. I don't know what it is, but it's just sitting outside of his barn like horseshit. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Next to the actual horseshit because he has horses Uh, because he's very wealthy. Um, So, but but yeah, so this, this song is this interesting sort of defense. I mean like direct defense against like, you don't get to own me. You know, like I will provide music. I will do everything I can to express gratitude and loyalty to my fans up to a point. But you don't get to tell me where I'm allowed to live and you don't get to tell me how I like write my music. Like there, and and that is, that is true to Bruce's like very um, autonomous sensibility. Like, like there's a reason they call him the boss. Like they, he, Bruce does not let people, define him for for him you know like that right. all, we go yeah. all the way back to his struggle with mike appel in 1978 which was like no mike doesn't get to have publishing rights over my music i do and this is it's the same sort of thing with like the his critics and like longtime angry fans who are like how dare like you sold out you live in new jersey and this song um local hero is a way of saying like no i will give you part of myself up to a point but there's a part of me you don't get and um and the the opening he he's talked before about how like the opening verse is a true story about how like he was actually like back in freehold and he was walking past like a storefront and there there really was like a picture of him next to next to like a velvet painting of a doberman or and uh, and bruce lee and so like and there is i i have to read this part because there there's a part of this that i gets me every single time it's the second verse it says i met a stranger dressed in in I'm sorry. I met a stranger dressed in black at the train station. He said, son, your soul can be saved. There's a beautiful one. There's beautiful women, nights of low living and some dangerous money to be made. There's a big town across the whiskey line. And if we turn the right card up, they make us boss and the devil pays off. And then folks that are real hard up, they get their local hero. So like that term, when he says they make us boss and the devil pays off, that's basically like, they gave me this nickname, boss, which Bruce has gone on record as saying, like, he doesn't like when people who don't work for him call him the boss. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, it's not a nickname he loves. I mean, he understands, like, that's part of the lore, and so he sort of embraced it. But I think if if Bruce could wave a magic wand and get people to stop calling him that, I think he would. Um, and so, but because, and I think in the song, he's sort of articulating why, which is, like, when they gave me a nickname and when they decided, like, I belonged to them, then they like I feel like something was taken from me and the devil pays off, you know? Yeah. And so um that that to me is this really interesting in fact there's a video of him singing the song in Leeds, UK in 2013. And when it says they make us boss, he puts out both of his thumbs and he points them at himself. As a way <laughs> of like remembering like, yeah, I know, I know, I know that this is part of the the mythology. And I know that right, right. um that there there's a lot of struggle with this nickname and I've struggled with it too. Um but only I get to decide um, to call me boss. You know what I mean? Right. Like he's even the boss of who calls him boss. Right. So um, anyway, that, that, that's a that's a long way around the block to say like th- this is also him reckoning with moving to LA and like finding better days. It's it's him defensively saying like no, I found joy and you don't get to take that away from me just because you were coming to my shows back when I was at the Stone Pony. You know? Yeah, it's so. that's mine. That's right. That's right. So then uh, track four is if I should fall behind. Yeah, this is a really sweet song. I love this song. Yeah, I, I, I do too. 
Uh, it reminds me, and I said this in the other episode, it kind of reminds me of Willie Nelson, you know, the way that like the uh, guitars are sort of plucked, um, not quite on the, you know, kind of behind the beat. And yeah, it's just really nice. This is, um, this is definitely, I think one of the, if not the best love song Bruce ever wrote, it's definitely one of them. I, maybe, maybe Drive All Night is his best love song, but um, this is a great love song. Or Sandy. Is Sandy a love song? Uh, yeah, it is. It's okay. on his, uh, it's on his, the playlist. He's got a bunch of fun playlists, like live playlists. And oh, okay. Sandy's a, on the love songs. All right. Yeah, I'll wait for you and should I fall behind, wait for me is like such a beautiful moment, uh, sentiment. Well, and it's, it's such an honest sentiment. It, I mean, like, there's, and I mean, the number of times you could play a drinking game with the number of times I compare Bruce Springsteen's songwriting to Paul McCartney. Um, because I love Paul McCartney, but Paul McCartney also writes a lot of really sweet, like syrupy love songs where, the, yeah. where everybody's kind of an idealized version of themselves. And Bruce never does that. Like he never goes for the sort of the cheap out. Like he, he's basically like, here's what a love song is. A love song is not like you're the best and I, you're idealized. And I'm putting you up on a pedestal and you'll never do anything wrong. And neither will I, his, his version of a love song is like, man, we are going to blow it sometimes. And sometimes it's going to be me. And sometimes it's going to be you. And here's my promise. The, on the days when you're struggling, I'll wait yeah. for you, you know? Yeah, it's very much like, um, what's the, this idea that I've been, I've been sort of struggling with because, because, you know, in, in quarantine, it's, uh, it's really easy to get angry at your spouse, right? Um, <laughs> Is it? And I, I've been trying so hard to, to anytime I'm about to get mad to just be like, I bet she's just, just even if I don't believe it, to just be like, I bet she's trying her best right now. Hmm. And and just just believe that even if even if it's not true or whatever and then that you know and like that gets paid back you know uh it's just treating your the people you love like they're trying their hardest uh and 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 uh they'll notice and they'll they'll pay it back you know they'll treat you that way too yeah uh and that's what this is he's just saying if i fall behind wait you know and i'll do the same for you i'll yeah. wait for you and if I fall behind, wait for me. Yeah, it's about patience. It's about endurance. It's it's it is a way of saying like, I'm. I mean, it's not unlike tougher than the rest. Which again, like this this album in a lot of ways is a response to Tunnel of Love, and it's almost like he, what he's saying here is like tougher than the rest is maybe the the truest song that I wrote because he's almost saying it again, which is like, yeah, there's gonna be some struggle, and the the pledge here is I don't I don't run at trouble. I I'm a, like I will stick with you. I will I will wait for you. You know, and because, because yeah. I'm tougher than the rest, um, I'm I'm a little surprised he did not include this in the uh, Broadway show. You know, yeah, I was too. Um, yeah, I, I think it I think it would have been really sweet uh, in there, but you know, the Broadway show is pretty pretty close to perfect. So it's well, and it's not like it's lacking for songs. It's not like you in the Broadway yeah. show and you're like, man, he could have gone another hour. Yeah, I mean, it should have been longer. Yeah, I mean, he he could have, and I would have enjoyed it. But at the same time, like, I didn't feel cheated. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, um, not at all. So yeah, I yeah. Mean, I mean, I watched yeah. it on Netflix basically for free. I didn't feel <laughs> cheated at all. <laughs> no, I mean, if I if I'd paid five hundred dollars and been you know in the back row, I still probably wouldn't have felt cheated. Hundred um, percent. But but yeah, so like this is again, it's it's very on theme. Like the the side one of this album is so tightly constructed around the central narrative of the record. It is, I have discovered something good in my life, and I'm willing to fight for it. I'm willing to defend it. And in the moments where it feels like it's slipping away from me, I will not lose patience with it. You know? 
Yeah. It's very good. I mean, it's it's really strong. I like again, the first five songs on this album is one of Bruce Springsteen's best albums. Or the first yeah, the first five songs on this album is is great. And then we move into uh, track five, which is Leap of Faith, which I know is not one of your favorites. And granted, like lyrically, Bruce is not he he's not at his best on this one lyrically, but I think musically he's he's doing very well. Yeah. And I mean this is this is all this is right up your alley. This is like a nineties live jam, you it know. Is. This is your da- this is your your jam. You know? I would so. love this. I've never seen him do this one live. I, th- I think it would be just a utter delight to see the E Street Band do this on live. Yeah, um, yeah, it's fun. It's just not. It doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. Well, and I mean, yeah, I mean, and the message or the the overall idea, the theme, the message of it is again, it's consistent. It's like, I mean, it, it's not not unlike Fifty Seven Channels and nothing on. It's not that complicated. Like he's actually being right. very like ham fisted with the with the metaphor here. It's basically like. Yeah, sometimes we don't know what's going to happen, but we have to take a leap of faith, and then we'll, you know, it's, um, it's it's pretty cliche, but at the same time, it is consistent. It's what he's been trying to say this whole time, which is like, it's not easy, it's not always, um, what we expect it to be, but it's worth it. It's worth the cost. It's worth the risk, and I will continue to wake up every day and strive to be better than I was yesterday with my partner. So tracks one yeah. through five fully embody that theme. Absolutely. Um, yeah, love it. Uh, also, uh, Roy Bitten has a co-producing credit on this song. I don't know if that's significant sure or not, but we'll go ahead and put it, we'll go ahead and I would, include it. I would say that a, a co-producing credit on any Bruce Springsteen song is, uh, significant. It's hard earned for sure. Like Bruce does not, I mean, as we yeah. mentioned before, like he's, he's pretty protective over who has any amount of like say or control over his work. And so that he put Roy, the last man standing from the E Street Band as a co-producer on this one particular song. Like that's a, that's a big deal. I'm sure. I'm sure uh, Danny Federici and Gary Talent were like, oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, Good for so, you, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So are you ready to flip the vinyl? Let's flip it over, man. All right. So track one, side two, uh, otherwise known as track six, is The Big Muddy. That's right. We're going to get way down deep in The Big Muddy. Now, this is an interesting move to side two. Right? This is very different from Better Days. Yeah. I love the, uh, just like the real scrapey, you know, Dobro. Yeah. Oh man, it's a lot of fun. I don't, I don't really even know, like, cause, cause, yeah, it's, it's a tonal shift to be sure. Like, we've been pretty consistent for the first five songs, and now all of a sudden it's like, yeah, but don't look too close under the rock. You know what I mean? Like, he can't help himself. He has to have at least one or two, like, yeah, but you know, don't forget about your waist deep in the big muddy. Yeah. Um, so is is, and it's like, isn't it based on like a story? Uh, like a military yes uh, platoon in in Louisiana, uh, during you know re- training for World War Two. Yes, I I forget the uh, author of of the short story, but yes, you're right. Yeah, and I think Pete Seeger wrote a song about it. That sounds maybe. Right. Yeah, Pete Seeger wrote a book, Always Deep in the Big Muddy. Um, and so yeah, and so. It's it's definitely like a, a tonal shift for the record. It it feels like it doesn't fit on the record, but it's I love the what's going on musically, you know. Yeah, well, it 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 almost feels like this is the reflective part where he's like looking back on the nature of loveless relationships a little bit. Yeah, you I know? can see that. I, yeah, like an it's like an allegory for for um. Your relationships of the past for yeah. sure. It's it's almost like this is the the flip side of the of the better days coin. Like right, like because like everybody who wants to pull him back where he was before better days, he's like, 
here's why I couldn't do that. It's because I felt like I was drowning. It's, I mean, I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit off the air, but like the emotions surrounding, like the, the ways that we know how to describe what depression feel like, right? Yeah. Which now we know because we've read his book that Bruce has for his whole life struggled with depression. And so I feel like this song is this interesting sort of exploration of like a metaphorical like battle against depression. You know, you're waist deep in the big muddy. Like you're, you're stuck in the mire and you, you, you can't find your way out of it. Like you feel like you're sinking, you know? And so, mm-hmm. um, and so I feel like what he's trying to say, like the, the, the back and forth between side one and side two is side one is like, I have found joy. I found happiness. And everybody who's trying to pull me backwards, like, please understand, you're not just asking me to like go and do the stuff that I used to do. You're asking me to go back into the big muddy. And that's not, yeah. and, and that is not okay. Like you, you can't ask somebody to do that. You know, poison snake bites you. You're poison too, pal. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's a good uh, line. That's a good line. He uses it twice. It's, it's not how um, snakes work, but no, it's yeah. not. It's not. It's not coronavirus. You don't. You don't, you don't like get sick. You, you don't like infect other people with snake bite. Yeah, that you don't be, become a snake. I mean, in uh, 2020, it's possible terrifying. we may learn that that is what happens. The snake bites are also contagious. Yeah. Do you remember? All right. Do you remember in in right after Trump was elected, the next day, two bald eagles were found dead in um, in a gutter. In Florida, because they had just fought themselves to death and fallen into the gutter, and everybody was like, "Well, <laughs> that keeps happening this year." That like, is a metaphor for all of this. Yeah, yeah, well, that keeps happening this year. Is like uh, somebody was like, "So, uh, did y'all hear about these hornets that are just decapitating oh, all the bees?" <laughs> the murder hornets, you say? Who <laughs> yeah. that just showed up on the West Coast for the first time ever? Yeah, and there's just like, but there's so I've I've seen so many of those things. Uh, and I'm like, oh, oh, geez. <laughs> Somebody I follow tweeted so, like, so this counts as the second plague, right? Like, right. In reference yeah. to the, like the ten plagues in the Book of Exodus, like, yeah. Yeah. Can we get through these? Can oh. can we get can we get the next one? Can we get, move on along through these plagues, please? I mean, dear God. <laughs> I just, <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I don't even. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we're in the, we're all, we're all in the big muddy now, pal. So uh, that's way steep, dude. You know, we are chest deep. deep in the big muddy. So then, we are. so then it's funny, like, so he takes this weird interlude where he talks about, like, don't pull me back into the big bunny. And then he goes right back in track six to joy and celebration and hallelujah with living proof, which is about the birth of his firstborn son, Evan. Yeah, uh, which is a great, which is a great song. I saw him do this in Jersey. In fact, he, he picked it up as a sign request and he said, I'm going to do this one for Evan. And he looks out like, cause I guess like the whole family was supposed to have been there. And he looks over to the side where all of his family was supposed to be sitting. He's like, is Evan here? Like he's, I'm going to play my, I'm going to play this song that I wrote for my kid. It's going to be great. It's going to be very special. And he looked over and he's like, Oh, Evan left. <laughs> Evan left. <laughs> he's uh, over it. Yeah. He's heard the song once or twice. He knows it's about him. Um, he'd rather be at, I don't know, somewhere else. I don't know. I don't know where, Anybody would rather be in New Jersey than a Bruce Springsteen concert, but I, I, I understand that Evan Spring, Springfield, Evan Springsteen has a pretty good excuse for wanting to do that. He's yeah, probably, he's probably right. seen his dad perform once or twice. So he's seen them all. Yeah. But, but um, yeah. yeah, it's not like especially uh, uh, special musically. You know, there's some fun guitar work for sure, but it's just a sweet song. Yeah. Here's, here, here's my tunnel of love. Uh, here, here, here's this part of the tunnel of love theory. I think this song is the flip side, the analog, the the bizarro, uh, brilliant disguise. 
You know, because Brilliant Disguise is all about feeling discomfort and lack of trust in a relationship. It's all about feeling like I don't, even though I'm married to this person, I don't know this person. And I, and this person, and I definitely know that this person doesn't really know me. And like just yeah. the doubting of all the things. I mean, what's the, like one of the last lines in that song, which is like, um, God help the man who can't trust. Oh shoot. What I've, I've lost the lyric. Cause I've got living proof in my head, but God, Oh but, God uh, have mercy on the man. Um, who, who don't God have mercy on the man who don't know what he can't trust or something or other. Anyway, yeah, 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 yeah. any, I, I can't remember. It's driving me crazy. I can't, remember. I, it's one of my favorite songs. I'm just totally drawing a blank right now. But um, anyway, so it's all about just sort of like the doubting of all reality is what that song is. And this song is about the confirmation of the goodness of reality. I found yeah. living proof, you know, like in, in, in the whale of he, when, when the baby screamed, like he was uh, like, he swallowed the fiery moon, you know, like that's, that's when I realized like, Oh, life, life is good. And and there 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 is reality that can be celebrated. There again, there is a hallelujah here. So, like he was like, I was looking for genuine connection and meaning in this like manufactured marriage between me and the supermodel that I didn't want to be married to. But in reality, like the the real life was with Patty and our newborn son. You know what I mean? Like like yeah. I'm going. If this album is having a conversation with Tunnel of Love, this song is the the call and response back to Brilliant Disguise. I would argue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love the, uh, it's been a long drought, baby. Tonight rain's pouring down on our roof. I've been looking for a little bit of God's mercy and I found living proof. Like Ugh. I thought about that this morning cause I was holding my baby girl. Yeah. Uh, just, just laying on the bed and holding her for a while. And I just was like, this is per- like, you're perfect. Um, you know, just, she's so fat, <laughs> squishy, perfect i mean really is this i mean we we talk a lot about the 90s material as not that significant in bruce's catalog but of all the albums we've talked about is there one we need more right now than this one yeah i'm gonna listen to lucky town for the rest of the day probably right yeah i mean i I am too it's it's on my turntable as we speak i'm definitely gonna go back to it again and again you're right you're right you're right you're right i know (laughs) which and then uh track eight you've got book of dreams or as i like to call it dream journal dream journal (laughs) Uh, this is another wedding yeah. song. Say what? Yeah, it's a little cheesy uh, musically, but um, it's nice. It is. Well, and again, think about it in terms of if, if this is a response to Tunnel of Love, this is this is the answer to Walk Like a Man. Walk Like a Man is all about how Bruce is getting married, not because he's in love, not because he wants to spend the rest of his life with somebody, but because that's what a man does. And so he's there out of obligation. He's there because that's what he's expected to do. And yeah. that's at a wedding. This song also takes place at a wedding, which in this song, by the way, also appears very near the end of side two, as does Walk Like... Or wait, no. I'm wrong about that. So, um, look, coronavirus. So anyway, um, this... Anyway. <laughs> I should tell everyone that before we started recording this, we just, like, yelled. <laughs> we just shared our own, like, personal mental health struggles as, like, for the last... Yeah, so... Yeah, we didn't even say hello to each other. We just like walked on. And it was just like I'm depressed. How are you? <laughs> I'm anxious. It was like yeah. uh, what's the uh, rock in the suburbs? Ben folds. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna spit on the mic tonight. Like I'm gonna go yell on the mic tonight. Yeah, <laughs> it gets me real bad. Stop! It makes me want to say. Yeah. Oh, so man. that that's that's the energy we're bringing to this today. So so, so yeah. So the, the feel, song we sound out of it. We are. We definitely are. That's why we're making very 
I mean, usually very preventable, easily fixed mistakes, but we're just, we're just hanging on by a thread. So, um, yeah, it really is. So, um, so yeah, so book of dreams is, it's another wedding story. Very, like very reminiscent of walk like, like a man, but here he's, he's singing not to himself and not to his father. He's singing to, uh, his his bride. He's singing to the person he wants to spend the rest of his life with, and it's not about obligation or commit or like um, what what he owes somebody else or what he's expected to do. It's I want to be here because this is the person I want to be with. And even though this is probably, yeah, I'd say this is probably my least favorite song on the album. I think I gave this one like a two or a two and a half. Um, I like that it's here. I, li- I like the idea of it. I, li- I like the sentiment of it. I like that it's it is an overcorrection or like a and a doubling back to what Bruce was saying with Walk Like a Man. You know, I re- I, I gave it a high rating because it's such good writing. Like I'm watching you through the window with your girlfriends from back home. You're showing off your dress. There's laughter and a toast yeah. from your daddy to the prettiest bride he's ever seen. Oh, won't you, baby, be in my book of dreams? That's a whole that's a whole story. You know, like it's such good writing. Definitely. If you're a Bruce Springsteen cover band and you play weddings, I mean, remember weddings, everybody. Um, but if you're a Bruce Springsteen cover band and you have ever played weddings and you're not playing book of dreams during the daddy daughter dance, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, father, daddy, father, daughter dance, whatever. Not to infantilize the bride. That's not what I was trying to do. Yeah, um, but it's a nice, you know, it's a tradition that people do at their weddings. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so then, uh, track nine, you've got Souls of the Departed, which fully, if you'll allow the pun, fully departs from the theme of the album. Yeah, it goes straight into just like guitar, you know? Like. Yeah. <laughs> well, and thematically, it's about like people who die who are viewed as expendable. In the in the American consciousness, this is a born in the USA song, <laughs> but all of a sudden this it's is like also oh. a Texas during coronavirus song. Hell yes, it is. I actually I have, that's uh. funny you say that. I have that in my notes, like um, because it's about the American perspective that certain people are expendable. So like the first verse, you've got soldiers. The second verse, you have a seven year old Rafael Rodriguez, which notably is the name of somebody who's a person of color who is shot down in a schoolyard. And then the third verse, uh, Bruce is concerned that his own son will one day become one of the expendable departed. Yeah, and, and now I apply my trade in the land of King Dollar, where you get paid for your, and your silence passes as honor. Like that's hap- that, that, mm, it's it's happening. That that's happening now. Two thousand twenty, uh, and we're doing it. You know, and all the hatred and dirty little lies has been written off the books and into decent men's eyes. Just yeah, yeah. Just this idea that we can write off the bad, you know, and like you write off, I don't know, like, like written off the books, like. You know, you write off your tax. You, you do. You do philanthropy as a business to write it off on your taxes. You know, it's this idea that like you can, you can, uh, you know, it's like a papal bull. You know, that you can like buy pardons for your sins. You know, it's like yeah. the, what's the book? Chaucer. Oh, uh, Canterbury Tales. Yeah, Canterbury Tales. Yeah, that I knew. Not the lyrics to Brilliant Disguise, but I knew there you go. Um, yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. Uh, well, and I can tell you, as someone who runs a nonprofit organization, when the tax code changed a couple of, or however, whenever, however time works now, um, and the deductions for charitable giving to nonprofit organizations like was reduced, our income was reduced, which is yeah. a way of showing us like, oh, right. People, when people donate to nonprofit organizations, sometimes it's because they believe in what they're doing, but a lot of times it's because they need a tax write-off. Right, because they can get credit, philanthropy credit, in the public domain for giving away that money. Yeah. And then up, up to a certain amount, they will be, you know, it'll be, it'll be, um, called good, you know, like the tax with the, with the tax man. So the tax man will say, you owe us 10 grand and they'll say, okay, cool. Well, we gave five grand to a church. And then the tax man will say, cool. You owe us five grand. You know, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, 
it's like they're gonna pay ten grand no matter what, but might might as well get clapped on the back for five of it, you know? Yeah, man. Um, that's exactly I, right. I, I'm sorry that I just mansplained tax deductions to all of you. That's oh man, what a. But no, you're you're what you're doing is you're contextualizing the song, and so even I though guess the, so. even though the song, it's funny like because what we just said about like how this album is really like true to our time, and this song is kind of an outlier on the album. This song is also true to our time. You know, like he's yeah. like when when the lieutenant governor of Texas says, like, let's let the elderly die so that the economy can recover faster, which is not even how economics works, Dan Patrick, but whatever. Um, when he says that, what he's saying is like, yeah, certain lives are expendable and um, there will be those who are departed who will be nothing more than a number to us. And that's already happened. Yeah. You know, like we've we've already we've already seen like the the way people talk about the loss right now who have not experienced like the loss of someone that they're close to, it is, it's in the realm of the theoretical. It's like, yeah, but when can I go get my hair cut again? Like, no, no, no. Like cut your own hair. More I've than got a pony. I've got a ponytail right now. Like you'll be fine. Buy a pair of clippers. Yeah. Just, um, but, or just grow it up. Who cares? Because like, yeah. listen, like more, as we're recording this, we have crossed the 60,000 mortality rate in the U S on this thing. And that I'm in Texas right now. And the emails I'm getting are not about grieving for those who are who have been lost and about how to protect the most vulnerable. The emails I'm getting are Genghis Grill's dining room is open today. You know what I mean? Or um, like whatever whatever local restaurants are trying to like juke there. And I realize that people have to run a business and people are trying to stay afloat. But at the same time, it's like, at what cost are we like, is, is you being able to eat inside at your favorite restaurant, at your favorite like Chinese buffet restaurant, is that worth it? to to put that many people yeah. in danger like i our, i don't think it just is incredibly brilliant governor tate reeves I, that's so much sarcasm <laughs> I, there are few, few people i dislike more um just r- pulled back almost all of our all of our restrictions yeah for public gathering and he was like i think the curve's flattening out and while meanwhile you know like all of the great medical professionals uh like dr luann woodward shout out to to uh, one of my favorite uh, medical professionals in our state. One of my favorite uh, epidemiologists. It's funny. Yeah. We all have, we, this is the time we live in. We all have a favorite epidemiologist. <laughs> yeah, for, and she's like, don't do it, you know? And he he's rolling it back. And guess what? Today, Mississippi recorded its record single deaths in a day. So oh, that's not a flattened curve. Yeah, Dallas. You know? Uh, yeah. we, we re- Texas reopened officially on uh, Friday. And yesterday, Dallas re- recorded its highest numbers so far in terms of new infection rates. Great job. Great job, Greg Greg Abbott. Thank you so much. Great leadership. Good job, everybody. um, Anyway, so so, yeah, but that's that's the nature of the song. And what Bruce is doing brilliantly, what what Bruce is really good at doing is he's taught, he describes a problem that a lot of people see as far away. The soldier, the, uh, the slain child who doesn't look like my children. And then in the third verse, he's like, yeah, but it could have been my child. My child could have been one of those departed. And what I don't want to have happen is for my child to just be a number on somebody's ledger about like, well, yeah, that's, that's the cost of doing business. Like, no, that's my kid. That's a, that's a human life. And, and maybe, maybe it does fit on this album because maybe as a father, because like living proof is Bruce's exploration of like, I see the world differently now because I'm a father. And this song, even though we know like Bruce has always seen the world in this way, Bruce has, Bruce has always had a, a, an empathic way of seeing like the struggles and, and the pain of people who, um, who have been sort of set aside. Like, like I mean, it's born in the USA, right? But this yeah. song is like, yeah, but now, now when I look at those numbers, I don't just see like people that could have been me. I see people who could have been my son, and that's different. Mm-hmm. And that that changes that that changes the 
um, the calculus even more for me. And now as I'm, as I'm dwelling on lucky town, as I, as I'm dwelling on the goodness that I have, I also have to take a minute and recognize that for a lot of people, the reason they don't have these things that I'm singing hallelujah about is because it's been taken from them and their, and their loss has not been honored, you know? Yeah. So I just decided that this song does fit on this album <laughs> for that reason. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just now. Uh, great song. Yes. So moving on. Yes. To, to finish it out, back on track. Uh, this song, I think, does fit on the record very much. My Beautiful Reward. My Beautiful Reward. It's another like really beautiful love song. Yeah. A mostly otherwise happy album with a love song that has a little bit of an unsettled nature to it. You know? Yeah. He's still searching for his beautiful reward, which track one, he's found better days. But here he's like, yeah, but there's still a, there's still a longing. He, 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 what he's saying here is like, all the questions have not yet been answered. I haven't solved the, the mysteries of life. I'm just telling you I found some joy and I want to share it with you. But I still, but the quest continues. The quest for meaning and deeper uh, understanding continues, you know? Yeah. Which I think is, I think is great. Uh, this sort of idea that like, I don't know. People think that I just have to find the somebody, you know, but like, no, you know, uh, my past, one of my uh, friends who's a pastor has this great sermon where he says, I don't think God goes around making halves of people. Mm, that's uh, good. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, this is the idea that like, uh, you know, he has sought out this, this, this partner, but he's also, you know, still seeking out the rest of it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The, the good life, the guide of the good life. It's, it's like sort of a stoic outlook, you know, I like it. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, and it's I, I love that even on his happiest album, Bruce refuses to just give us a happily ever after. He does not tie a bow on it. He does not say like, my work here is done. You know, he's, it's this, this song basically is like, I'm still, I'm still going to write songs. I'm not just, gonna, yeah. I'm not just going to write like happy little pop ditties. Like I'm, I'm still searching for stuff. I'm still exploring the mysteries of the human soul. But at this moment in my life, as a snapshot, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about how things are. I feel, I feel very grateful. And so, yeah. so I, I am both grateful, but I am still on a journey. And that's, I think that, that is sort of the embodiment of this song. Yeah. It's a really sweet song. Yeah, it is. It's a great song. Um, it's one of those that like, I just think about a lot, you know? Yeah. What are you doing? I'm just searching for my beautiful reward. Yeah. Uh, love it. So great album. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and argue like may, maybe Bruce's most underrated album. Yeah, I, I, um, you have moved me significantly mm. on this record, so I, I, I really do like it. Are there any songs on this album that are five stars for you? Not as it stands, yeah. Uh, but I could be convinced to upgrade. Mm, if I should fall behind, maybe. Ooh, yeah, that's a good um. Book of there, dreams, maybe. There is not a song on this album. This is one of the only albums I think, maybe the only album without a hall of fame song from yeah this. i think uh if i should fall behind probably deserves five stars and i think book of dreams does too uh and i think better days is probably a four four star song for me or maybe four and a half yeah. it's not a five star song it's great i'm gonna it's just like better it's, days it's a rock song you know yeah and he's got so many better rock songs <laughs> yeah i just it's like the spirit of it I, I like the just just the unapologetic joy that is that song yeah so yeah, man, that was Lucky Town. You feeling good? Uh, yeah, feeling great. Yeah, feeling we good. Great. We good. We good. We good. How's everybody out there? Who are your guys? You good? Did you do the thing? Did you get the thing taken care of? <laughs> uh, listen, Boomer listen, lives. Listen, going to the post office is the worst. Yeah. 
But uh, <laughs> the post office was fine until Stamps.com came around. You know what I mean? I, no, the post office has never been fine. I've never. Hard I disagree. used to love. I love going to the post office. I've only had great like postal workers in the towns I've lived in. Oh, that's great. So you're, and uh, you're the guy who in Mark Marin is like, do you hate going to the post office? You're like, no, I don't. I just, I, I just think it. the stamps.com ads are hilarious. I love people. And other people have tried to do them. Like there's a phone one now where it's like uh, they're describing like the worst thing in the world. And you're like, oh, yeah, they're like going and getting a phone. And they're like, I mean, yeah, it's terrible, but it's not that bad. Like I definitely don't want to leave it up to somebody else. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not just going to like have someone make a $1,000 decision for me, you know, or whatever. So I think right now there are lots and lots of people who are like, wait, can I go to the post office? Yeah. Can, I, can I go to the AT&T yeah. store and buy myself a phone? Can I treat myself like it's my well, birthday? Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, that was Lucky Town, everybody. So thanks so much for listening. Uh, JB, thanks for hanging in with us. Uh, and as, as we continue to struggle our own, like battle our own inner turmoils, uh, we've carved out some time to, you know. Uh, you know what, JB? If I should fall behind, would you wait for me? Yeah, dude. Absolutely. Good, hey, you. and I'm going to tell all y'all something that my therapist told me. Go ahead. This is not the time to be hard on yourself. It's cool, man. Just, like, try to be good. And if you're not, it's fine. You know? Just, just it's okay. You know? Yeah. It's it's okay. That's a good you word. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Did you drink too many beers last night? Like, okay. Per- you know, maybe, that, maybe that's the punishment. You know? Like, don't, get, don't punish yourself further. Like, just, you know, just pat yourself on the back. Take a little nap. Yeah. You're good. good. You're good. You're good. Yeah, be kind to yourself. Give yourself a li- little yeah. gift every day. Unless you're Tate Reeves. And then, like, you're not. What are you doing, man? <laughs> no, yeah, if you're Danny Maybe Patrick, punch yourself in the face. But everybody else yeah. can can take yeah, take a break. <laughs> Maybe Dan Patrick just needs a hug from someone with COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, that's dark. That's dark. I'm sorry. That's I don't right. think that anyone That's all right. We were all thinking that. it. We were all thinking it. You, just, you were the one who said it. Yeah. So. You know. Yeah. yeah. All right, well. Look, we're going to record a uh, top five greatest hits albums uh, bonus episode for patrons. So if you want to check that out, check that out on the sure. patron feed. Uh, if you're not a patron, you can always become a patron. Um, and there's all kinds of fun little benefits there. And you can just sort of uh, have access to, you know, we, we answer our patron chats and stuff. Uh, we try to answer everybody anyway, but we get to those pretty quick. So yeah. holler uh, if you want to do that. And if you don't, that's fine. Uh, just keep listening for free because, because, you know, Ain't yeah. be we're, we're just a couple white guys yelling into the internet. <laughs> Otherwise known as a podcast. <laughs> a podcast. <laughs> All right. And yes. uh, we'll see you next week or so. You know, who knows? Well, yeah, and the next yeah. time we the next time we speak about an album, we'll be talking about the ghost of Tom Joad. So uh, get excited cool. about that, everybody. All right, thanks everybody. We'll see you next time.